Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name is Panos, and today I'll be answering a question that came in through Instagram from a lady called Holly, and the topic for today is preparing your dog for kenneling and boarding. I'm going to read through the question and get into a couple of details and a few things to consider on how to get your dog prepared for kenneling and boarding situations and just general advice on when you need to go away. What should we do with our dog so they can have the best time? But anyway, we'll go into the question real quick. So, hey, guys, I'm here and I'm listening. Love your stuff. By the way, thank you, Holly, for sending us a little bit of love and appreciation. And I've been getting, we've been getting a few um, messages lately of people, you know, just sharing a little bit of their, um, that sharing their experience, listening to the, the podcast, how much they've been benefiting and triggering them onto a journey of, training and understanding their dog a little bit better, which is really, really cool stuff. So her topic suggestion is how to prepare a new puppy or an adult dog for kenneling when you go on vacation. She says, I'm not a doggy daycare person in general, but when I think about how I can slowly introduce a dog to this kind of environment, I'm not sure how else one would start besides something like doggy daycare, maybe just kenneling short sessions gradually increase, but not a doodle mosh pits. Thanks for keeping up the episodes. And then we had a little bit of a back and forth. She says, I've boarded as long as I've had her for four years. She's almost nine, but still very active. She has improved over the years. Initially, she would stress drool and sometimes come back smelling like stress hormones, i.e. vet waiting area odor. She's improved over the years, still eats, you know, while she's um, in kenneling, which is, and she says that because a lot of dogs that are stressed won't eat. And that's a very normal thing. A lot of dogs won't won't eat for like the two or three or four days of initially going into boarding. And we can get into a little bit of that as well and like why that would happen. But I want to keep improving her and also think of the next dogs many years down the line. I also think about dogs getting crated at the vets overnight if they've had big surgery. These are highly likely to happen at least once in a dog's life. I feel like it's my responsibility to prepare and toughen her for these environments. And the same thing for the muzzle. So, I think the first thing that we should consider, especially for raising a puppy, and you know that these times are going to come where you're going to go on holidays and you're going to be leaving your dog at a place that they've never been before, the most important thing that I could suggest that you do is, number one, teaching your dog how to be independent, how to be on their own, and that would be through crate training and check out episodes 36 in regards to how to, you know, the initial steps of how to get your dog understanding how to be crate trained. And, you know, other minor things like having a, for a puppy, have a playpen where your puppy can be on their own while you're doing everyday duties. You're going to sleep, you're going out, going to work, etc. Your pup can be in the playpen. The crate time is a little bit more of a segregated area where your dog learns or your puppy and or dog learns to stay in a smaller area where they can't pee or poo 
or do really anything except for sleep and be on their own. And through this regular process, that conditioned relaxation starts to kick in. Oh, I'm on my own. I'm in this environment. And this is just what it is until I get let out. There are steps that you should take before just chucking a dog into into a crate and closing the door. So check out that episode to give you some of the steps to begin with that. But it can be a very stressful time for a dog. Now, I've worked in boarding kennels, you know, many years ago. And whether it was in a shelter or whether it was in a you know, boarding facility. And there's some dogs that adjusted really well straight away. They knew exactly what to do. And there were other dogs that were exactly like Holly's dog that were quite stressed. One thing that is important to consider is that if you are going to put them into a kennel, it does take them about four or five days to start to assimilate into into that environment. If you're going to be gone for two days and you put them in the kennel and they haven't got enough time to adjust and assimilate into that environment and you come back and get them out, I think that probably was more of a negative experience for your dog rather than a positive one. So the flip side to that could be, yes, of course, maybe – many short durations being in those environments may get them comfortable. But then, of course, you know, there is a bit of a paradox where, but if they're only there for a day or two and then you take them back out again, that could be quite stressful for the dog. And then the next time they go there, they remember it and then it may not be the best sort of solution. So, and she did say talking about doggy daycare and things like that. Look, in terms of doggy daycare, you know, I'm in two worlds and two minds about it. I think it could be a great place for your dog to, spend time away from you and be with other dogs and have a good time. I don't think it's necessary that we should be taking our dogs to daycare, you know, for for the main reason that, you know, your dog should be comfortable with being in your house. And this is not about preparing them for being in boarding situations, but more for just general. I get it, like a lot of my clients, they get a puppy, yeah, we're, we're considering doing daycare for four days a week because we're going to be working a lot, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not Super fond of that only because your dog should be comfortable with being on their own so that they know that, well, a general day is that you guys wake up, we go for a walk, we have our feed, our training time, you get put into the yard or into the pen or a secure area, we go to work, that's just everyday life. When we come back, we do the the normal things and it's good for your dog, especially when they're young, to learn that this is a routine where being at a doggy daycare, they never learn to be on their own because they're always with somebody or with another dog especially those dogs aren't dogs of their own pack and their own family. So I don't think it gives them their time to learn to be on their own. But on the flip side, yes, of course, it teaches them to be away from you and that you can be, especially if it's a reputable person who's looking after the dogs appropriately. Because the thing about doggy daycares in many situations can be most of these businesses that need to run, they need to have an X amount of dogs. So they get a lot of dogs in and they may sacrifice having too many dogs in a small area at once with maybe inexperienced people looking after the dogs. And then the problem with that is that your dog may have a bad experience at the doggy daycare or they may not have enough time to assimilate and be there. And then on another point can be your dog learns to just play with dogs all day, every day, forever, all the time, and they see dogs in the wrong light. Every time they see a dog, they want to play with them. And it's very similar to like a dog park situation. But the doggy daycare is so much better than the dog park because then, of course, there's some, and hopefully there's someone whose understanding of dog behavior, dog body language, and the fundamentals of of behavior modification and training, just so they can under they can understand and see. Oh, there's a situation unfolding here. I'm going to stop it while it becomes too too um, before it becomes a massive aversive event for a dog. 
Um, you want to make sure the dogs are safe and they're healthy and also that they're, they're not stressed out. So, and it's become a very popular thing as of late. So, um, so it's can be quite a neg, it could become a negative experience for your dog and it may not necessarily teach them how to be on their own. So a couple of things to think about in terms of, well, when you are going to go on holidays, let's say you're going on holidays in two months time, what should you do? I think, so I'll, I'll tell you what I do with my dogs and I'll be upfront, transparent and honest is that my dogs haven't really spent any time in a boarding facility. I have the luxury of sending, I've got three dogs. Two of my dogs just recently went to my parents' house. They live, they used to live there. They've grown up there. They've spent a lot of time there. They, my parents are, my parents love them and enjoy them and do all the appropriate things and look after them. So, so spades and nookie can go there and they stay there for like 10, 12 days. And they had a great time. Everything was well. Of course, you know, my parents aren't always doing everything that I want them to do in regards like feeding schedules and walking and they're not keep, they're not up, upholding all the things that I would do with my dogs, but I know that they're safe. I know they're being looked after. And, and of course, you know, it's great for them as well. So, and I get to save, save that money because I can have them look after it in a way that I want them to look after them. So that works. But, uh, but for Chili, I know that he's going to be too much for them in regards to he's a very, very high energy dog. He needs to have regular mental physical stimulation. He's still young. He can be a little bit nervous in a new environment and they live on a corner house. There's lots of people, lots of dogs walking by. Their fences aren't, they're high enough so spades and nookie can't jump up over the fence, but I know Chili can definitely jump over that fence and for any reason I wouldn't want him to escape the yard to, you know, go looking for me or to be, you know, interacting with random dogs as they walk past. And I don't want, I don't want my parents to necessarily have the responsibility of doing all the right things for him because I, I need him to be a certain level for all the things that I require him to do for our work. So he's not just an ordinary pet, but I do use him for work. So I don't want anything um, undesirable to happen to him. And I'm lucky that I still keep in contact with his old owner, and Rachel, she lives out in rural New South Wales where she has the space. She's, she's raised him from a, from literally from a baby puppy. She, um, her, Chili's dad lives there. So like, I mean, like biological dad, dad. So she knows everything about dogs. She's, she's a dog trainer herself. She trains her dogs. She, she does all the things that are necessary. And also he's happy and comfortable to be there. So I have the luxury of, well, it's not a luxury of driving an hour and a half to drop him off there, but I know that he's going to have a good time. He's going to be safe. He's going to be um, stress-free. So I've, I've set myself up where I can, I can do that. And we have an arrangement for these things and then he spent time there before. So that's, that's for me. Now, of course, there's going to be times where that may not happen. And, I also have the luxury of having my dogs. If it's going to be like a four-day trip, my dog can stay at my house. My mother-in-law can, she either sometimes stays here or she comes back and forth and she can walk the dogs, feed the dogs and hang out with them and do all the things. And she knows our routines and she knows the schedules and everything else. So she's upholding the same sort of routines. So, and of course, sometimes when we go away, we take the dogs with us, depending on the place that we go. So I set myself up where I don't take my dogs aboard, not because I don't want them to go necessarily, because if I had to, I have a few options that I could take them to, but it's just been lucky where I've set myself up where that can be the case. So that's for me. But if I was now, of course, 
Will Spades, for example, is almost 12 years old. Will he be stressed being in a kennel? For sure he'll be stressed. But if there was like an emergency situation and the whole family had to go to Queensland, for example, or and we all had to go, then there'd be a place at Pet Resorts um, where if you're familiar with Glenn Cook, he's the manager of Pet Resorts Australia. He's the one of the hosts of the Canine Paradigm. So we've stayed close. I've actually worked there before. I know the setup. I know what happens. My dogs can all be kenneled together and – the good thing about finding a reputable dog kennel and a boarding facility is you want to know that the staff are uh, well well attuned with dog behavior. You want to be able to – so when I used to work there personally, I would be in the kennels, take the dogs out, let them go for their run in the big outdoor runs. I clean the kennel. I, I'm getting in tune with all the dogs. I can see, hmm, look at this dog over here yesterday. Yesterday, he wasn't walking like that or mm, he's shaking his head in a certain way. He could have an ear infection or mm, he's, he's, he's had very loose stools the last couple of days. He may be stressed. So, I'm being aware of each individual dog and I'm taking either mental notes or we're writing down in the journal how the dogs are going and pro- pro- progressing so that we can see maybe this dog needs a bit of an adjustment. We need, may need to do a few different things to make him feel safe and comfortable and stress-free. So, it's important that you don't just have just because a boarding kennel has been in operation for many years, it doesn't mean that they're really good. So I would say seeking out the best that you can find and actually go there and pay a visit to them. And there's a lot of times where I do recommend, and I don't only recommend Pet Resorts Australia because I know they can get very busy So I know, and they do have multiple facilities, but I do know that there's a few other people that, that I could recommend that have a little bit of a different setup. So another um, associate of mine has does boarding from his own place. So he does the dog minding and we used to do dog minding as well. Now, the good thing about when we were doing dog minding is that dogs were in our backyard. We only have a certain amount of dogs and they were dogs that I generally knew. So usually dogs that we, that we trained in the past. So I could, I could screen all the dogs that come in. I didn't want to have the wrong dog come into the wrong sort of environment and also suited to all the other dogs that we're looking after. I've set my yard up so that I could have larger dogs in one area, smaller dogs in the other area or older dogs with the smaller dogs that aren't going to be an issue. So I've got the setup and people would come. And there's a lot of times where people are a bit nervous. I'm like, look, bring the dog for a day just to see what he's going to be like. And I know that it could be stressful, but because it's in a backyard, it's not the same as being in a kennel where there's like next to each other, boom, 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 where there's like, you know, 150 dogs barking, you know, the stress hormones and the and the the odor around that could stress dogs out as well. So many things to consider, but of course, not all the time that we have the luxury of of knowing these people, but it's all about doing the research and asking other trainers in your area or vet, no, um, you know, the vets, who can you recommend? Now, I know a lot of vets, for example, do boarding, but they leave them in the kennel. They take them out once or twice or three times a day for their walk and their toileting and they go back in. It's not ideal because, you know, it's not like the dog get to be free. In my backyard, dogs have got grass and beds and, and shelters and they can do all the things that they like to do in the yard. Where in the kennel, of course, they're more limited. And of course, being in even a smaller area like a vet um, vet practice, it's even smaller then and that could be maybe less ideal depending on your dog. Some dogs love to go back to the vet and then some, and I've heard in the past where some of the vet nurses take some of the dogs back home with them because they know the dog, it's appropriate to them, et cetera, and they can go back for the day while they're working. So, of course, you know, things don't have to be too rigid. But it's important that you find 
and meet with the people and go there and get a feel for yourself. You don't necessarily have to take your dog with you because he's not going to always, like not every dog is going to be psyched about leaving their owner and going into a new environment, especially somewhere there's lots and lots of dogs around. The kennels that I used to work at at pet resorts have multi-dog kennels. So the dogs that were super social got to spend time with three, four, five other dogs in these very large kennels. And they were like play and have fun all day long. So some dogs were completely adjusted straight away to that sort of environment. Other dogs that were, you know, not desexed or weren't necessarily good with other dogs and they had to be kenneled on their own. But again, the most important thing in those sort of situations, even though they're not having the time of their lives, is that somebody's monitoring them and, and all the staff are communicating with each other to go, hey, you got to look out for Bobby. Bobby was a little bit unsure last week. Keep an eye on him just to make sure that he's still adjusting and going well and everyone's communicating that. Where a lot of times people are just running a business where they just got to pump all the dogs out, get them all put away, bring them out. And of course, they may come back not having the best experience. We may make it harder for next time. Also, you have to weigh up the risk of, well, he is going to be stressed. He's not going to be happy being there, but at least he's going to be safe. And that's where you want to get the best, you know, search for the best recommendations and also like look at the referrals and and the reviews of these places and like real reviews, not just like dodgy reviews, because you don't want to send your dog to a place where they're going to get mistreated to become even more stressed out and, of course, you know, abuse and and all the rest of the things that could happen um, when people are stressed in these environments and, you know, kennel attendants haven't got the patience, haven't got the skills, haven't got the experience where they cut corners, they don't even know any better because management's not looking after their, their employees and training them enough where, you know, a lot of bad situations can happen where I know there were other kennels where I won't say out loud where they were. I think a lot of people in my area know one of one of the ones that are local to us and they're quite large, ha- haven't got the best reputation, dogs come back. You know, not just with kennel cough. Kennel cough is going to happen in kennel environment regardless. But kennel cough, for example, not being treated properly, you know, with the dogs not getting this, the appropriate care can become worse. You know, dogs that are, you know, getting happy tail, their tails is flicking against the, the, um, the kennel wall and not being looked after where sometimes infection can happen. And this is a real story where then the dog's, tail had to be amputated many times and the dog ended up getting like a a blood infection where the dog almost died because for four, five or six days it wasn't being looked after properly and the infection got really bad. So these are the things to be considering. Look at the the hygiene of of these environments. Yes, of course, dogs are going to be pooing in the kennels and urinating in the kennels where they're going to be standing on top of it. But again, how are they cleaning these environments? And if people aren't going to let you go and look into these kennels, again, I don't know the specifics of each kennel and if they allow people to just come and look. But if I was managing the place, I would have allocated times. I guess, of course, come. We're transparent. You can have a look at all the dogs unannounced to come and see how we handle and, and treat the dogs. So that's also another thing to consider. Um, but the home boarding, the board and train can be maybe better. It may be a little bit more pricey cost a little bit more, but at least you know that, that this dog's your dog's going to be staying with a dog trainer or or a behavior person who understands dogs and uh, and they're living in their own environment. So again, you may be paying an extra thirty to fifty dollars a day, but you're ensuring that the dog's not in a kennel and he is in a in a home where that dog's sharing the same space as the dog owner the and the business owners personal space and they may even have an area specific for for their dogs and there are a lot of other places where i have recommended and and had and heard really good things where dogs are kenneled during the night time but then during the day they've got big runs to hang out in and they can run and play and pee and poo and sniff and you know and then they go for their walks they go for their training and 
I do recommend if you are going to go into a kennel environment that you do pay that extra money to get the the training. And the training doesn't just help with the dog coming back with some extra skills or maintaining some of those skills, but it gives them that extra enrichment with a person one-on-one time, you know, and they'd be getting out maybe, you know, between three to five times a day for those short increments of training where you could be improving certain skills and also the dog's having a good time away from the other dogs and away from the environment where it kind of prov- helps with that stress levels of the dog as well. And you can get some feedback from the trainers as well, where it's like, hey, look, um, we saw that this is where your dog was at and we've improved certain things. Your dog may be a bit reactive to other dogs or, you know, your dog's not, you know, walking on a loose lead properly. We have been working on this and then they do like the, the Passover where, the trainer will either come to your place or when you go to pick up your dog, the trainer does the, does some demonstration and gives you some tips along the way. And it could be the, the birth and the, um, of a new journey to come with your training. So these are other things to, to think about. So, um, as a recap, make sure that from a young age, your puppy knows how to be on their own. Make sure that you're doing the appropriate socialization so your dog's not stressed about being around other dogs, feeling positive or neutral around other dogs, and not necessarily always having to play, but to be calm around them. Lots of crate training, lots of times where your dog can be spending time in the backyard, while, especially while you guys are home, so that the dog's not you know, suffering any separation distress or separation anxiety. Knowing that when you do put them in um, on their own for the first couple of days, they're going to be like, and it's very normal when a dog came to the shelter when I was working there or when the dog was at the boarding facility, those first two or three days, they're definitely not going to be eating as normal because of course, stress is, is does impede on a dog's um, appetite because what happens is stress creates a lot of adrenaline, adrenaline in the body has an effect on the body where blood rushes away from the digestive system and it goes into the limbs to kind of keep them into this fight, flight or freeze mode. And that physiological response suppresses the appetite. But as the dog starts to calm and become a little bit more coping of the environment, then the dog's appetite starts to come back. So that's another thing to consider as well. Just because you've gone there for two or three days and your dog has been stressed, um, it doesn't mean that bad things happen. It just means that your dog doesn't know how to deal with that environment. If you are, and I remember another thing is that there was, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but there were people that were renovating the house. For a whole year, the dogs had to be boarded. And every weekend, they'll come and walk their dogs and hang out with them and then bring them back. But dogs took another three or four days to adjust back into, um, adjust to being away from their owners. By the time Thursday came around, they were calm. Friday came around, they were calm. They were good. And then Saturday, owners came back, took them for their walk, hung out with them for a few hours, and then that process repeated. And I had to have a difficult conversation with them to say, listen, I totally understand that you want to come and see your dogs, and I know it's going to be a very long time, and this may not even sit well with you, but I said to them, it's probably better if you don't come and see them. And if if you were to come see them, maybe Take them for a week, go somewhere where you can be with them and then bring them back. At least they're going to go through that process again, but then there's going to be a month or two where they're not going to be seeing you again because dogs are very adaptable creatures, even the shelter environment, even though there's not like a a specific person that the dog gets to bond with in, in a home environment, dogs get to adjust to that environment and a lot of people feel very sad about being where dogs are in their kennel. I remember a lady came into the shelter once and she was crying looking at all the dogs and, I'm, and, and I took it. I didn't take and of course, you know, my experience levels weren't the same. But I said to her, I'm like, well, what's wrong? And she goes, oh, it's so sad that the dogs are here. And I said to her, it's not that sad that they're here. At least they're not, 
you know, because the shelter that I worked at were like, you know, we didn't put down dogs if they went up to their due date. Once they became the council's property, we kept them. And those dogs that we kept for 12 to 18 months before they found the appropriate home. And those dogs were happy. They had volunteers and, and staff members doing everything they can for them. They were being well looked after. They went for regular walks every day. Again, not ideal, obviously. It's ideal if the dog lived in a home with a person and with a, with an actual owner. But dogs ad- adapted and adjusted to that environment as well. And when you work in that environment, you can see, yes, of course, some dogs don't cope. And some dogs can overcome it. Now, there's some dogs may be really stressed for the whole week and a half and they never really overcome it. And you have that conversation with them. Look, this is where your dog was at. Your dog wasn't, didn't adjust very well. Maybe considering other ideas and other options for, for that specific dog. So for Holly, if your dog's been improving over the years, and again, depending on the frequency of how many vacations you go on, but it's important to consider is boarding and kenneling the right thing for your dog and maybe coming up with other options, other ideas. And there are people that do um, pet sitting. People come to the house and they stay at the house um, for that. And again, of course, it's probably going to be a little bit more expensive and maybe harder to find these people. And you want someone who's had a level of experience. And we've done it before where me and Tanya and my wife would stay at somebody's house. This is more so when we were, we were living at my at our parents' houses. Is that we'd stay at the house for a week and a half, and we would treat that place as our home, and we would be with the dogs, and we'd keep up like a regularish sort of um, routine, so the dog wasn't so stressed out having to be sent somewhere somewhere else. So these are other things to consider. I'm not saying that it's it's going to prepare them for kenneling and boarding, but it's always good to have some other options, B, C, and D, in case things don't go so well. But if you're raising a puppy and knowing that you want to get them used to this sort of environment, um, then this could be the thing for you. Now, I know as well, certain boarding facilities do offer daycare, and maybe it's something to consider that they go to this place where they can, again, this is the flip side I said before, it's not the most ideal thing, but if you know that you know the boarding facility that you're going to be sending your dog to does do the board, the the um the doggy daycare rather, then what could be useful is the dog gets familiar with the staff, gets familiar with the environment there, and they can have positive experiences. And if they offer like training there and other sort of um services, maybe even taking him up on those services. So that way there your dog gets familiar with the whole environment altogether and it's not like it's a negative thing. Every time you go there they're gonna be left on their own. But um but I'm gonna leave it at that. I think there's this can open up many different discussions and many other questions. But Holly, I hope I've answered your question. And for the other listeners, I hope it's given you some food for thought, things to consider, and maybe it's shed some light on a few things that you, um, you've you experienced before, but you never really understood why. But from working in boarding facilities, um, personally, I know that it can it can be less than ideal for some dogs and also some dogs thrive in those environments as well. So it really does depend on the genetics of the dog and how they've just bit like, you know, their makeup. But of course, the, um, the experience that the dog has and how the place is being run from management all the way down to the kennel attendance. Because if people are getting paid well, if people are being trained well, and if people have a, if there's like a good culture, a good community there, then everyone's going to uphold each other to a standard. But if you've got, two people looking after, you know, 50 dogs, then of course their time spent. They're not going to be taking care of each individual dog 
to the best of their ability. And even though they may have the right intentions, they may not have the right skill set or the state of mind where they can look after the dogs the best. So, or another thing as well is if you are going to take them into boarding facility, it may cost extra to take your own food because, you know, of course, at least there's a bit of a regular sort of routine where if you if they get fed something completely different, the standard kibble that all the other dogs eat, then that could also cause a bit of upset, you know, in their feeding routine as well. So I hope that's answered your question. I'm just quickly looking through my list here. I think that's um that's everything that I wanted to mention. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And until next time, have a great day and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, dot com, dot A-U. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.